Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. Now, when I started paying attention and really fully embracing my own ADHD, I realized that a lot of what I struggled with as a kid, and I still do, has to do with executive function. Now, I didn't necessarily think I was dumb, but I often wondered why everything seemed to be more difficult for me than others. Now, the cool thing is that we can save our kiddos from feeling this way. Now, during this episode of the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD, podcast. Leslie Josell, founder of Order Out of Chaos, and I take a deep dive into executive functioning issues and why it's important to know your child's executive age. We talk about the difference between ADHD and executive functioning issues, what executive functions are, and why she prefers to call them purposeful actions what has to happen in order for executive functions to work properly, and also really understanding your kid's executive age to truly parent them successfully. Now, Leslie Josell, an ADHD student and parenting coach, is an award-winning entrepreneur, having founded Order Out of Chaos, an organization whose mission is to help parents guide their students to success in learning and in life. She's also an award-winning author, creator of the award-winning academic planner, a tool for time management, and an internationally acclaimed speaker. Leslie has been named as one of the top time and management experts in the world by global gurus five years in a row. She continues to learn from her audiences, sharing her observations with readers of Attitude Magazine in her weekly column, Dear ADHD Family Coach. Now, you'll definitely want to check out the Creating Order Out of Chaos interview that Leslie and I did a while back. She has such a beautiful way of presenting thoughts and ideas that my ADHD mind just loves. I'll put links to everything in the show notes. But before we dig in, I wanted to be sure that you have downloaded the free ADHD supports guide that I created for you. Honestly, it might be a good idea to have your guide handy each week while you listen to the podcast because it is so full of tips, tools, practices, and resources to support you on your ADHD journey. And if so, if you haven't already, download the ADHD supports guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports or find the link in the show notes and be sure to follow it all the way to the end because I have included a one-time ADHD reset offer that can be only be accessed through the guide. Enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Leslie, welcome back to the show. I am super excited to have you here today. So happy to be here. It's like being together again with an old friend that I haven't seen in a little bit. So. I love that. I love wow. it. So much fun the first time. It was. It was. And more fun. We're ha- going to have <laughs> even more fun. And I see future. I see more after this too. Anyway. As many times <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to be doing what you're doing right now? 
Sure. So I do the Reader's Digest version because it's been right. 17 years. And so yes. that's take up an entire um, episode. And I think that in and of itself is amazing. 17 years is a long time to be um, sustain a business that's keeps growing and is profitable and all of those things, but we are very community centric. So I started my business 17 years ago. And at the time my son was five and he was diagnosed with ADHD, executive dysfunction and a whole host of other learning um, issues. And I do need to clarify, and I think this is really important right off the bat, particularly because we talk to moms on this podcast that anytime I mention my son, I have his permission. And I think that's really important because he's 23, he's not eight. Right. Um, so he knows I do say this, but um, when he was diagnosed, you have to remember there weren't podcasts and conferences and telesummits right. and even, even the websites weren't around. So I relied on my gut and my instinct to figure out ways to untangle his world, mm-hmm. both at home and at school. And I'm trying to make a very long story short. Um, back then I did some very, you might say, unconventional things that were probably revolutionary. I don't need to go. Now they might not be. Right. And people saw, meaning friends saw. And I had a friend who said, can you, I have a friend that has four children, all have ADHD. Can you go to their house and help them put in systems and structures that are going to support the family? And I did it out of the goodness of my heart. I swear to God. And within two weeks, four people of that woman's friends called and said, when can you come to my house? And mm-hmm. I turned to my husband and I went, but like, I don't do this for a living. And I didn't, I had another job and my husband who has ADHD and looks at me and goes, ah, well, you do now. And, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm so type A, I'm like, but I don't have a business card. I don't have a name. I, right. You know how we all have to have every, all our ducks. And he went, yeah, right. get the business card, call yourself order out of chaos. Here's how much you're going to, I mean, it was for him because he is such an out of the box thinker and I'm mm-hmm. so linear and um, I started door to door, house to house. Within a month, I quit my job. Within six months, I had a team. And within four years, I went completely virtual. Right. And we are now a global virtual um, com- community. We service tens of thousands of parents who come to us for products, programs, workshops, webinars, and coaching, um, all to help their students be successful in learning and in life. Right. That is a fantastic amazing story and yeah. and, and you're right obviously you're right right 17 years later but yes there's it's well you know. It, but you know and here's the thing too like we if you're listening you think wow it was just just so easy you could just do that and i know <laughs> i know that it wasn't just yeah. that easy right it was not easy yeah. and i know this is not about you know starting businesses but i think what did happen is um you, we are very community centric. And yeah. so um, I think because I didn't have a business plan and because I was an accidental entrepreneur and because I just really focused on building this community, um, it allowed me to be fearless and it allowed me to just do what felt right. And it also right. allowed us to, I always say the business of my son grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so what really was the, the, the aha moment for me was if I was experiencing this in my own world and I was feeling this, or I was frustrated, or I was anxious, or I was figuring this out, then there had to be like thousands of other moms with neurodiverse children 
who are feeling the same. Right. So I would, someone said, you really should start a newsletter. You have such good tips. I'm like, what's a newsletter? You should do webinars. What's a webinar? And obviously I learned things along the way. I brought people in. We have a team of 10. I also became a certified academic life coach right. for teens and college students with ADHD and LD. I wanted that education piece. So I do bring to the table, I think, a unique skill set of, I always say, I actually wear three hats. I wear the professional hat, I wear the parenting hat, but I also wear the student hat because I spend so much time in the trenches with your kids mm-hmm. that I'm able to bring their voice and put and give them a seat at the table. Right. So I think that's a little, and I also coach parents. So it's a really kind of nice um, skill set to bring. Yeah. And you know, that the, the piece that you brought in about um, being in the trenches with, with the kids, that's really key. It is key. And so, you know, we didn't talk about it. We have many different divisions at Order Out of Chaos. We sell, we have a products division. We sell planners and other things all over the world under the Order Out of Chaos brand. We give webinars monthly to our community. I write a weekly column for Attitude Magazine. Some of you might know it. It's the Dear ADHD Family Coach. I've written three books. I have a product line with a couple. Like, there's a lot going on. And yet I still coach college kids. I still keep a small group and people are very like, they're a little surprised to hear that. And right. I'm like, first of all, I freaking love it. Sorry. I love yeah, the kids. Right. Um, but it's your laboratory. How yeah. do you not stay fresh? How do you not formulate ideas? How do you come up with strategies if you're not in the trenches? How do you mm. speak? How do I write? So um, I will always do that. Yeah. Like I've kind of fixed my business in a way that says this has to happen. So now we've got to build and figure out everything else around that. Now I don't have a million. I only keep a small group, but right. it is, that's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. And I like, well, and you, and obviously you have a, a, a an enormous passion for these kids yeah. and that you're able to be the voice for them because they don't necessarily well, for one thing, I know from having teens myself, and we are a neurodiverse family, um, uh-huh. that um, that they, I don't I have to ask the right questions to get the answers. Yeah. Wow. I, it, it's really interesting. I, and I'm like, the answer is right there. And if I just ask the right question. Um, so it's nice to have somebody who is not the parent I was asking the question who knows the right questions because you've been there, you know, you know what they are. Yeah. And we balance both. So I have, I don't just coach. We have coaches on staff too that I, that are coaches, but then we train, I train them the order out of chaos way because we definitely coach, but we also coach parents. And to your point, it's exactly that it's, it's learning how to say, um, I hate to use the word right, but I, I, cause there's no right or wrong here, but it's yeah. learning how to say something that's going to be effective and that your child is available to hear you. And that's the word I use. I like to use the word available, available is perfect. <laughs> that is a key that word. That is the right? code word for the day. Everyone is listening. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, yes, it's, it's a, I use that word a lot. I use that word a lot when I teach, when I, ta- I do a, a class called raising problem solvers versus direction followers. Right. And we use the word available. Um, and I know we're going to be talking about executive functioning. And I use the word available too. Like there's a, there the, the availability of your, of your I, I call them students. I'm sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't, but that's how I speak. But the availability of your child is key yeah. to, to, to your communication dialogue. Yeah. Now I'm going to keep that. I need to write oh, that in write big. That down. Everyone well, 
And because when we talk about, when we dig into the, um, into talking about executive functioning, Ah. the, um, I'll ask that question later after we have talked about it, but how to, how to, if your if your student your child is not your your adolescent is not if they're not how did you get them to buy okay. in yeah. and maybe that is a question for after um but that's the huge <laughs> one yeah let's 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 uh, I, I wrote that in big words in big letters good because, word though right it is it is because right. you can't have to be available you have now, to be available my uh, my husband and I have we've been in um, in marriage in therapy for like years and years. It's for maintenance, mm-hmm. um, and that is a key word. Are you available? Are you available? If you're not if you're not available to to have a conversation or to hear what I'm saying, it's like going on deaf in deaf ears. So right. yeah. Yes. Okay. So okay. let's dig into the first question. What in the world is executive functioning <laughs> anyway? Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to talk for a couple of minutes because it's not, a, this is not a Reader's Digest answer. Right. So, but I'm going to try to make it um, succinct as possible because like I said, I have given classes um, on executive functions that go on for three hours. Um, right. So I'm going to try to do it in three minutes. So here's, here's what I think I want your listeners to know. The first, the bigger question we get all the time, and I know you hear it, we hear it is, ADHD executive functioning, like, are they one and the same? Are they interchangeable? Like, what's the difference? So I want to start there because I think there's actually a really important distinction. So here's aha moment number one for all of you listening at home. Your child, if they are diagnosed with ADHD, it does not matter what kind, impulsivity, hyperactivity, whatever, does not matter. If they are diagnosed with ADHD, they automatically Okay, they go hand in hand, they're BFFs. Remember, I talk to students all day long, sorry. <laughs> You're gonna hear me say, you're like, wow, she's so professional. And no, it doesn't matter, speak to students, they're BFFs. But if you have a diagnosis of ADHD, you automatically have a diagnosis of executive dysfunction. Executive dysfunction. the reverse is not true. And that's a real big aha moment. You could have a diagnosis of executive dysfunction. That does not mean your child has ADHD. Mm, so here's okay. why. You know, over the years, we've kind of shifted the definition of ADHD. We don't look at ADHD anymore as a focusing or an attention deficit. Oh, our kids know how to our kids know how to focus. Right. It's just not always on the right thing at the right time, right? Right. That whole hyper focus. They can play video games for five hours, but they can't sit and do their homework for two minutes. Right. It's not an attention deficit. It is actually a deficit of executive functions. Mm-hmm. It is all about self-regulation. It's exactly that. It's being able to do what they need to do when they need to do it in the matter they need to do it in. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's, I like to use the word self-leadership for my students. They like the word better. It's a little bit lighter and a little mm-hmm. bit. The other way I describe executive functions to my students is I call it purposeful actions. Mm. Right? It's great. Purposeful actions. Yep. Can I do what I need to do when I need to do it in the matter I'm supposed to be doing it? That's a purposeful action. Right. Now your executive functions in two seconds, frontal lobe, right? And what mm-hmm. they control is your purposeful actions. And they control your organizing, your time management, your focus, your effort, your working memory, your mood regulation. That's an mm-hmm. aha moment for most people. Right. And your impulsivity or like 
you could even use the word self-leadership there. And what kids tell me is what you have to do, it's really about control. Mm-hmm. To be able to do purposeful actions. So I'm really giving you not the diagnosis, like what a doctor would tell you. I am giving you user-friendly parent, student, and most people go, I love this definition. Right. Kids get it, and it's not punitive. It's not like you, there's something wrong with you. It's just, it's a great, very visual way to understand it. Yeah. I love that purpose, purposeful. Right? That's, purposeful yeah. actions. So if you have to do purposeful actions, everything else has to be suppressed. Your thoughts, your impulses, your sensations, your emotions, your memory, think about it, all of that. So it's not just about external distractibility, which is what we tend to focus on. It's about internal distractibility. Mm. I want your parents out there to think cars coming at you. There's no stoplights. There's no stop signs. So whatever's going to hit that kid, I don't mean hit like accident hit, whatever's going to come first is what's in front of them. So there's so much stimulus. So right. So there's that availability. Some of my students even say, I need to quiet the noise. Mm. And I'm not talking about mental illness when I say quiet the noise. That right. noise that they're hearing are their thoughts and, and memory and sensations and feelings. All of that has to be suppressed so they can be available. There's that word again, to be able to do purposeful actions. That is brilliant. (laughs) That's it. That is fantastic because I have been, you know, we're, we're all, we're all doing our research. And I mean, that's what it's getting the ADHD diagnosis. Like, that's great. Now, what What do we do? Right. Yes, that's it. What does it mean? And then we, when you go and you, you research executive function, you're like, like, it, to me, it's in, I have ADHD. It looks like gobbledygook to me when I, when I read it, I'm like, oh, this is, this is perfect. Leslie, this is it really- has to be able, you know, I, I've listened, I've sat through class after class and there are people that describe executive, there's 40 executive functions. There's 20. And I'm like, that, that does not work in my world. My, right. I will like put a fork in my students and my parents, they're done. So I had to figure out a way to kind of make it so that it makes sense, but on a level that not only students can understand, I'm sorry, not only parents could understand, but that students could lock into and go, oh, I recognize myself in that without them feeling shamed or, you know, I'm all about the about the not feeling shamed or the not feeling all these negative, negative, negative things about them. So it's not negative. It's just very like, this is what's happening in your body. This is what's happening in your neurosystem. This is what your brain is feeling. And okay, let's chat about how we, I mean, this is like, obviously I'm not as like flippant, but okay, let's, let's now talk about how we can work on strengthening it. And that's kind of also how I couch everything. You know, the brain is a muscle. That is true. Like every other muscle, right? Our arms, our core, but the brain is a muscle. and And so sometimes when we're asking our students to do something, what I say is their brain is the equivalent to a two pound weight, being able to lift only two pounds. And you're asking them to lift five pounds. And that's like a major divide. And here comes my favorite thing to chat about. So there's where you're there as the parent, there's where the frustration is. There's where the confusion is. There's where the anger is. I'm sorry. We got to get real here. Mm -hmm. That's where all the 
the CR, you know what lives, right? The, I don't get it. He's 13. Why can't he get up in the morning on his own? Or he's 10. Why can't he like start homework? Because he's not 10. I'm sorry. He's not 13. So there's something called executive age. Executive age. It's brilliant. Ever heard, if anybody out there has ever heard me speak, you'll know that whenever we do any webinars at OOC, I always talk about executive age. Yeah. Because you need to, you need to meet your student where they live. So here's what executive age is. If you have a child at home who's 13 and they're 13 and all their 13-ness, okay, <laughs> right? Verbally, socially, academically, maybe even athletically. But they have, but if they have any executive function difficulties in organizing time, blah, 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 I went through all of them. And I can explain some of them as we go on. They will be 30 more or less. Nothing's an absolute. Do not quote me, everyone. Don't. Nothing's ever natural. <laughs> right. Especially when it comes to oh my God, neurodiversity, I right? You said it was 30%. <laughs> it's a roughly 30% deficit in age. So there's the chronological age is 13. The executive age is nine. Mm. So you might be having a kid at home who's 13 and can like, you know, be amazing on the stage at theater or at soccer or, or actually is brilliant and and can verbally spar with you, but is nine when it comes to being, you know, time management or their working memory. Right. So that's very difficult. That's where all of that, you know, as my grandma used to call it, angst. Angst. <laughs> that's where all that, I'm sorry for those of you who don't know what I'm saying, but that's where all the like the exhaustion, the anxiety, the confusion, the frustration, and all of that is. And, right. and it's not only for you. Imagine being 13 and you're like, I, I get this and I'm, I, I feel good about it, but I, I don't know where I sit in time. Or, right. you know, your kid struggles with it too. That's well, and and the, the looking around and, you know, uh, everybody else is doing this. Everyone like, else. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this thing? Right. And you said something a little while ago. You've said lots of things, but <laughs> what you said about looking at that that the, the the list of executive functioning when you, if you go and look it up, right? There's shame there. You're right. You have turned it around, so there's no shame. Like no it, shame. it looks like it looks like like that deficit. You know, like well, just ADHD. I mean, I am. I am so not a deficit. Being, I'm <laughs> so about there not being shame. Like we, yeah. and I took listen. So here's here's a great example of that, and I think this is really important for your 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 listeners. So one of the executive functions is your effort level, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and effort I always level. say that's where the perception of lazy lives. Oh, isn't that great? Mm -hmm. So your child comes to me and says, my teacher, and I'm sorry, I'm going to hit you guys home. But and I, listen, I got to check myself too. I'm a parent. Yeah. And yes, do we all have lazy moments? Of course we do. Like, right. you know, right now it's a struggle to, to work versus I want to get into bed and watch Mrs. Maisel. I want to binge watch her, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, am I being lazy? Maybe, but we all have little lazy moments. Right. My point is that your, your student is hearing my parents think I'm lazy. My teachers think I'm lazy. And I'm not being punitive to parents or teachers. That's the perception. That's right. why I said it's the perception of laziness. Perception, I love that. Perception of lazy. A lot of us think if our student is not doing something, I don't understand why, he, you know, he's sitting on the couch and he can't get off the couch to start homework. He's just being lazy. Or I've asked him 20 times to clean up his room. Not always about school. He's just, or she's just being lazy. Or... Right. 
you know, I need them to, they're, or the teacher, they're just being lazy. And this, there's that perception. And what I'm here to tell you is I actually don't believe in lazy. Mm-hmm. That's all. One day I want to do a TED talk on why I don't believe in the word lazy. Right. I don't believe in the word lazy. I believe there is always something behind what you're seeing. Mm, right. So with, with an executive function of effort, that's usually where it is. And here's what I want your parents or your to visualize is your child walks around with a boulder sitting on top of their head. I always say yeah. effort is where the T-O-O child lives. Mm-hmm. Too, everything is too much, right. too big, too vague, too hard, just overwhelmed by the overwhelm. Right. So that boulder sits on their head and just gets heavier and heavier. And they just have like get it, being able to move past that to get to do what they need to do is just way too difficult. And this is where you might be seeing your child like fight you, flight, freeze, or fib, because right. it is way easier to do that. For some kids, it is easier to lie and say, yeah, I did it and suffer whatever consequence comes their way than it is to actually do what they're being asked to do. Right. I get it. I I get it. I have that mind. Like I'm. And we're all different, right? So we all have a different, we all have kind of our own nuances of, um, of executive functioning, um, um, uh, assets and deficits, I guess. So, um, and I get that. I get that. It, the simplest things, and I'm saying this to the parents, who, the moms who are listening too, um, who in moms with ADHD, right? So there's not anything, it's not that there's anything wrong with us. It's no. not that we are lazy. No. It's just that the effort that it takes to wrap our heads around something as simple as making an appointment for me or using a planner or like the, the simple little things. And I, I think about the children, you know, if this is what it's like for me and right. they don't have the skills yet, right. Oh. We, we have developed our own kind of coping mechanisms, right. But they don't even have the skills yet to do well, what we're asking them to do. Your executive functions by the time you are in your something mid twenties, mid thirties are fully developed. Mm-hmm. Whereas your with your child who's 10 or 13 or even 15, they're not. So you're asking them to remove this hundred pound boulder off their head and try to activate and 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 show effort on something that they can't. And so again, like people ask me, well, what, what does that look like? And it it might look like too many decisions. So yeah. one of the biggest things that I see with students is the, that they decision fatigue is a very big thing for them. Like, like, okay, I have to explain it this way because I want you to try this at home. And this is as like simple as it gets. And I know it's way more complex. Trust me, I know. But if you asked your student at home, let's say they had math homework. You said, can you tell me what math homework you have tonight? And they would say, well, I have to go to page 52 and I have to do problems one through five. This is not academic. Meaning this isn't, can they do the work? My question to them is, do you understand exactly what is being asked of you to do? Mm -hmm. The directions. I'm not asking if you can understand the math. That's a Mm. whole other thing. Do you understand what it means to go to pay? And they look at you like you have five heads. 
Because I do this with my kids and I'll, not my own kids. My, and they're like, yeah, I have to open my book to page 52 and one through five. But why is that okay for you? Well, because I don't have to think about it. I don't have to dis, I don't have to figure it out. Figuring it out lives an effort. Right. Okay. Right. Now, let's, and again, not punitive to any teachers or anything. Now let's move to history. And the assignment, let's say there's a test on Thursday, and the assignment on Monday night is to continue studying. Now we all get, we all know we have kids that get that assignment. The continuous, yeah, I know. Oh, you're right. Right so now I have a kid who goes, continue studying. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what do I study? How much do I study? What am I supposed to? What's get? And the right. questions, and here's the thing. It's like boulders growing, boulders growing, more decisions, forget it, forget it. And guess what? I'm kicking that can down the road. So what might be a small rock has now become a hundred pound boulder because now it's the night before and I haven't done anything yeah. because I can't figure it out. Right, right, right. That so makes complete again, sense. And he's not lazy. There's just a, you're asking your child to figure things out that he just is not capable of doing. Right. Right. You know, and, and we talked about this a little bit. I, I really think that the the past couple of years with the, all the virtual, everything's virtual. And oh, my gosh, my kids were doing virtual math without paper and pen or paper, paper and pencil. Like yeah. what? I mean, you're basically just guessing at math. That's not what math is. And I kind of feel like um, like we had these we had these problems anyway especially those of us with ADHD and our our, our kids with the executive executive functioning um, issues and now we've got there you know we're still virtual i mean we're still right. they're in school but everything is online and i know we're going more and more and more towards this and i know that you know in college and everything it's most everything is virtual but that I think that's exactly what you were talking about is that like, what does studying mean and where do I find it? Right. Now, it's interesting you said that. So we are, you know, I work a lot with parents helping um, them formulate IEPs and 504s. And we are really pushing back on all of this virtual and making things. Now, again, it's up to the student. I, I definitely have students that say it's less things for me to lose. That's true. <laughs> that's true. The less paper. Right. I have more or less paper. Or what I'm doing is taking all of the links from all the different teachers and we're creating a one sheet. I call it a cheat mm. sheet. So right. that every link, I mean, there's a lot of nuance for each student, but we are pushing back and saying, like, this is actually not ADHD friendly, or I never I like the word this is not executive functioning friendly. Yeah. For my child's brain, like information, you know, I'm seeing it more and more in IEPs and 504s that one of the accommodations is that any kind of information needs to be disseminated in more than one modality. Mm. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Right. It has to be. It has to be because if something is on a computer, then I want it in an email or if something's mm -hmm. only emailed, then I want it, you know, something else like, but it has to be in more than one mode because the likelihood that my child is going to be able to, to get it in one is, is it doesn't work for them. Right. So right. again, that's a great, like just a little tweak that can that can change things. That's really helpful because we are we are um, we are new to the 504 ah. and um, I look at it and I'm like, there's not anything in here. And of course, you know, 
I'm learning, learning through the process. We just, this just happened um, a couple months ago. And now I'm looking at it and I'm, and I, you know, we said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. I've never done this before. Um, and I'm thinking, this is all child directed. This whole thing, you know, after we're back, where I stand back and I'm like, I've never been, and it's all uh, virtual, you know, the whole, the whole meeting was virtual and I'm not, you know, this is, this is just the way it is. They're slammed the schools. They don't have enough resources. Um, but I'm looking at this, this plan and I'm like, this is completely up to her. This is completely up to my child to figure this all out. And, that's and not they're the ones who have to do the asking if you, yeah. you know, and, and the, the accommodations for testing and for, for projects and things like that. And, and so I love what you just said, because that's exactly what we need, what, what, what right. we need. So it shouldn't be child right? directed and IEP or a 504 is actually, it's, you know, the, the school, it needs to be school directed. They should not. And that's, I mean, this is another whole podcast, Yeah, but when, when you go to college, it's all student directed. The student mm-hmm. must ask for their accommodations. Da, 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 da. That is not the way it should be in a public school in the United States. So, well, and it's not that it's not that it's not that they had to. Um, it's that when I look at the the 504, it's that the, the accommodations are my child has to ask for this. My child has to ask for the extra time. My child has to ask for the the um, you know the accommodations at yeah. Anyway, okay. it's a whole other story. That's a whole other. It's a whole other conversation. Okay. But I like that you said that that putting having the 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 uh, the different modes of receiving the right. information. Like for me, that's an accommod. That's something that goes on an IP or a five hundred four, like those types right. of things, so that the, it is it is it is an automatic. It is not something a child asks for. It is just something that. That is giving the child to, to be able to support um, the way they learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't, we could do a whole other thing, but that's yeah. just, that's how, that is what I believe. I feel right. like that's just something that they, they that you can ask for. Yeah. So. And that makes so much sense when we yeah. can help, help, when they get the help to break it down and learn how to break it down. Well, there's a lot of things you can tap into. Listen, um, I'm like, I know, I mean, this is how you said, I mean, look, we can be talking about supporting executive functions at school, supporting executive functions at home. Mm-hmm. But like I have, so I always say this when you're, if you are a parent who is navigating an IEP or 504 process, you just don't know what you don't know. Right. So like, I remember I had yesterday, I literally was meeting with someone and, and they were dealing with their IEP and or, or 504, I don't remember which one. And she said, well, they only gave us a half hour for the meeting. And I'm like, absolutely not. That's mm. not that's not enough time. And you now need to go back. And you're right, schools are slammed. But you know what? You're ch- the, to, to effectively go through a 504 and IEP, you need way more time on the calendar. So yeah. you, you have, you have the option to say, I'm sorry, that doesn't work for me. We need a two hour time slot. Let's revisit this and find another time that works for all. Right. Parents don't realize they have that power. No, they don't. That you don't have to sign an IEP or a 504 if you're not happy with what it says. Right. So just a little thing. I just, and I know it's, we're talking executive functions, but the parents need to know also what they are, what, what they can, you know, what their rights are. Yeah. 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 But I know I, I do. I, t- I do uh, tend to take little tangents in case it's you fine. didn't know. It's all helpful to everyone. <laughs> I'm hoping everything is helpful to everyone. It's all good. 
But yeah, so I, I love the way that you have broken down the executive functioning for us. Sure. And it's not as confusing and it's more understandable that there's there's um it, there's the 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 processing piece and what do you call it? Purposeful action. Actions. That so is me, beautiful. I want to touch on, I want to, I want to touch on a few of them very quickly. Yeah, please. I kind of skim them and I think it's important for parents to see. So I'm not going to stay on or I'm not going to talk about organizing. You guys know how to organize. You guys, if there's more stuff out there on organizing than any other of the executive functions. And you can even go to our site. There's a million things about. Right. But the only thing I want to say about organizing is I want you to look at your child's space because most of you, your child lives with you. So it's really your, you know, you're really in control here. Right. Is I want you to look at your child's space through the lens of barriers to entry. We're, mm. we're always very good at going you know, what can I do to set up a system that will help my child be organized, which really doesn't take into account what might work for your child. Right. I want you to go the other way and say, what's getting in my child's way? Mm, what's getting okay? in the way? We don't look right. at it from that lens. And I love to use the words barriers to entry. Mm -hmm. Like what is preventing? So is the closet door like hard to open? Because if it is, get rid of it. Because what your child doesn't see doesn't exist. Mm, right. Well, I said you have to have a closet door. I took my closet door off my son when he was five, and I don't think I put it back on until I went into high school. Mm -hmm. Right? Are the dressers too bulky and too full and too heavy to open? That's a barrier to entry. Height is a barrier to entry. Right. Not having homes for every single thing that your child owns. And them not knowing where that stuff lives is a barrier to entry. Right. Right? To not being able to see things, too much information, all mm -hmm. of these things. So go, I want you to, too many school supplies is a yeah. barrier. So I want you to go through it from the reverse. What is getting in the way as opposed to what system can I set up? Because right. that's not going to help you or your child. Yeah. Okay. The other one that's very big, and I think we all know a lot about is time management or yeah. being time blind. And I'm going to give you my big, quick thing here about that one. Your child needs to be able to see time in order to learn how to manage it. Mm -hmm. I can stop it there. You cannot expect your child to be able to manage their time if they are not, if there's nothing in your home that is externalizing it. Right. So if you don't have an analog clock hanging in every room your child spends time in, they will never learn time. We do now, Leslie. Thank you. We have one, I have one in the bathroom. We've got one in the bedroom. Yes. We've got one in the kitchen. So yes, thank you for that. Organically see time move. Right. And there's a very powerful thing about that. They need to see where they sit in time so they feel tethered and anchored mm -hmm. to the day, to the task, to the minute, to whatever. Right. Digital doesn't work because digital only gives you one time, the present. You need to see 10 minutes from now, 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could go on, but that's a little bit about time. Right. We talked about effort and I'm going to say this about effort. Um, we talked to the other one is focus. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing about focus is movement. Okay. Right. Movement helps us focus because when we sit, the brain just drains and drains and drains. So get your child moving, have them do, if they're young, you can throw them at me or even old. I have college students that sit in the bathtub and do work because they think it's funny and fun. Mm -hmm. No one cares. In right. the bathtub, under the kitchen table, in the pantry closet, on the trampoline, sidewalk chalk outside. Who gives a you know what as long as they're doing it? Right. But movement helps us to sustain our focus and keeps our brain active and energized. Right, right. Okay. The next one is mood regulation. And now mm. that's a big one. And I'm not going to go over like 
explosiveness or anxiety, I, I think you're all really smart people out there and know that if you are feeling very big emotions in your house and having those massive behaviors that you will seek medical advice for that and not right. Leslie. I know yeah. beginning where I begin and end. So I just want to make that clear, but there are things you as a parent can do to eliminate some of the, like the emotion, the big emotions that are happening in your house. And this is probably going to be the hardest one that you do. We see it all the time in our parent coaching that there's a lot of two-on-one going on. Mm. You, sit the, you sit your child down, the partners, mom, dad, dad, mom, not mom, dad, whoever your partner is, and it's da 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 that you can't see me. I'm sorry. I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> you know, cha 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 And that right. is, oh my God, your, your kid's brain is, it's done. Put a fork in him. Right. Right overwhelm, overwhelm, overwhelm. How can I escape? How can I escape? And if I am reading your house right, what ends up happening is mom and dad start arguing with each other. Mm. You didn't say this. Why did, why did you not say that? Man, I had to say, okay, all of you need to be raising your hand. Because right. I well, yes, so raising my hand. Mm -hmm. Right. Now mom and dad start fighting and the next thing you know is like, where did Eli go? <laughs> He's done. And right. if you don't think he feels that, he feels that. He has left the building. Yep. He has left the yep. building. Yep. Checked out. And he's happy because guess yep. what? It's not about him anymore. And now you two have turned on each other. Right. It's really hard to do. But guys, the more you can do one-on-ones, the more you say you've got this. I always compare it to the amazing race, right? Like, have you ever watched the amazing race? Who's going to take this race? I right. got this one. And you've got to trust your partner. But if they're got it, the one-on-one -on -one dialogue, you will see it in an instant how your child will not be like this because mm. most kids can't process all of that conversation. Right. And you're talking fast and you're talking loud and they're like, and they're just, they're done. Right. So the best tip I can give you is two things. Do the one-on-one -on -one, mm -hmm. and anytime you want to talk to limit the open-ended questions yep. Even like dinner, like you want chicken or steak as opposed to like, what do you want for dinner? But the other thing that is a really interesting thing, what you notice what I'm doing here is everything is about underwhelming your child. Right. You want to avoid that overwhelm. So here's what happens in most houses. And I'm using my son, not, I'm just using his name. Hey, Eli, can you come downstairs? I want to talk to you for a minute. Your kid is like, okay. How long is this going to take? I'm in the middle of something. And if you have an inflexible thinker on your hand, that in and of itself is, is, is deadly. How long am I in trouble? What are, right? All of right. those, all of those big emotions. What happens is I'm not even going to say the limbic, but what happens is now the brain will not be able to process maybe a very benign conversation that you really want to have. Like, right. so any way you can preempt that feeling, those big emotions by announcing what it is mm. you're going to. So how I used to do it in my house and my kid is 23 and I still do it by text. Hey, here's me. Hey, E, I need about 20 minutes of your time to talk about your birthday next week. When can we chat? Oh, I love that specific. You know what? And that what that's my that? language right there. Tell me exactly what I, what I need. <laughs> And I'm okay. Or he's upstairs and I'm like, hey, I, I need you for 10 minutes to talk about logistics for tomorrow. Now, 
okay, maybe an eight-year-old might not understand logistics, but if you've got a 15-year-old, they, they, they might be able to think, oh yeah, I'm going here and there and someone, I need to talk to you about the driving tomorrow, the logistics for tomorrow, the plan for tomorrow. Now, the emotional, we've, we're keeping our limbic system low. We, right. You know, the limbic system is what takes over the brain when it is really bad and feeling awful. And it's like a big bully. And we always want to push it down and push it down and keep it down. So anyway, you can preview. Now your kid has now, usually what happens is most kids don't even remember it was five minutes, but now they can put a time on it. Remember seeing time, they know what we're talking about. And that doesn't mean that if you go on to a second conversation, remember barriers to entry, you just want to have an entry point. Right. Oh, I love that. That is a per yes, that's exactly it, right? That's another barrier to entry. One more. We're already we're already we're already confused. They're already thinking, oh no, what did I do? What's the conversation? What did I do? Right. And they're yeah. shutting you down. They're going to right. shut you down before you even had a chance to say what it is you need to say. So that's mm -hmm. that tip. Okay. The next one I did, the last one I want to talk about is working memory, because this is the one I is I think every parent is experiencing and not realizing what it's called. Okay, so working memory is not short-term memory. It's not like what you had for breakfast yesterday and it's not long-term memory like, oh, we went with grandma for 80th to Disney, okay? okay? That's not what it is. This is the best way I can describe working memory. Your child, I feel bad, your child's in math class. It's eight o'clock in the morning. And in that moment and in that time, they're actually like, I got it, I got it. Right. My, my, my work, my um, executive functions are on fire. I'm listening. I'm processing. I'm understanding. Teacher might even say, you're good. I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm taking, right? Close it. Fast forward. It's eight o'clock at night. Kid opens his book to do his homework. And what do you think he says? What the heck is this? Right. I never learned this. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this is. I never, right? I can't do this. And you're like, uh, 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 weren't you in class? Of course. So did your kid hear it? Yes. Did your kid even learn it? I'm going to say yes. Did he remember it? No. Working memory is a two lane highway. It's information coming in. That's got a super glue to the brain. Mm -hmm. And then it's information that has to come back out at any time when it's needed. Right. Two minutes from now, an hour from now, two weeks from now, when they're about to take the test. So if that information didn't super glue into their head at eight o'clock in the morning, and basically what happened was it was somewhere in the brain at eight, but then he walked out, or he or she or they, whomever, whatever, walked out of the room and now it's English. And guess what? Because it didn't super glue, it, right. it boomeranged right back out and now it's English. Oh, guess what? Now English is over and now it's science. And nothing has super glued. And here's something that maybe you'll all chuckle about. We, we say this a lot at Order Out of Chaos, that one of the things that as parents we need to do is eliminate the, oh, by the ways and don't forgets. Mm. So how many of us, I'm sorry, I'm calling us all out, me right. included, as your child's walking out the door, oh, by the way, don't forget, I'm going to pick you up at three o'clock around the corner near the bagel store. And oh, <laughs> all, of you be, all of you should be guilty. <laughs> Right. right. That's working memory. You're okay. expecting your child to hear you process it, remember it, and then act on it. Right. Okay. So I always say telling is not teaching, right. And learning, listening is not learning. You mm. have to make sure that if you are imparting any kind of information that it actually glued itself to the brain right. or that there's a way 
that that information is supported in another way, whether it's a screenshot, a text, you know what I mean? Something right, right, else right. that supports the, oh, by the ways and don't forget. And that was also really hard as a parent to stop doing because we're all in a rush. We're busy. We just want to spew information, me included. And right. I even, even to my older child, my 23 year old, I have to stop sometimes and say, can you not almost even like repeat back, but how are you going to handle that? How are you going to remember to remember? Right. It's a great question. How are you going to remember to remember? How are you going to remember to remember? That's a good one. And it wow. stops them because now they really do have to think, okay, what am I going to do? And I really believe as a parent that it's your job to set a parameter and it's your child's job to negotiate it. So even if your child says, I don't have to, you have the right as a parent to say, you want to drive my car? Mm. That answer doesn't work for me. Right. Oh, that's good. Because now that was, okay, so you've gone through, you've gone through the, um, through the, the executive, executive functioning, I don't even know what you call them. I call, we call them pillars. Pillars. Okay. Executive functioning you can pillars. call them whatever you want. We call them pillars. And so my next, the, my next um, question was about, Okay, so now that we know this, right, we know that they need support in these areas, we have some tips and tools that we can use. And what about when they, uh, you know, what about, how do we get them to be willing to and I think you just, you just answer that question. Yes, and no, I mean, here's the thing, you know, buy ins a funny thing. And buy in also is very, I feel like it's very age dependent. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, where they live on the scale of your executive functions. I think as a parent, you absolutely are always picking your battles. So right. in my house, I could care less about my kids. Like when my kids were growing up, my kids are flown and grown. I should just tell everyone that like right. my kids are 23 and 27. They do not live with me anymore. So the light is very different Yeah, for, for me. The battle of their rooms, I, uh, there was one non-negotiable and that was, there was no food left in the room. They, that was, I uh, couldn't handle that. Yeah. But I never cared what their rooms look like. And I also never cared about laundry. My When both my kids were by 10th grade, they were responsible for doing their own laundry. Yeah. And I felt that that was a really great um, responsibility for them because it did not affect me. You know, we all talk about like, well, listen, I've heard it all. Well, yes, you want my kid to do that. But if he doesn't do it, then like I can't have him not feed the dog because God forbid the dog doesn't eat. I get that. I have a dog. I used to have a dog. So laundry is your perfect chore because it doesn't affect you. Your, your clothes are clean. So my point was that like, yes, it was, it was very important for me to pick the, pick the one. And by not making everything a battle, there's buy-in right there of saying like, I don't care what you do about this, but this is what we care about in our home. Right. Okay. The other thing is you have to, you cannot go from A to Z. You have to go to A to B. Um, you know, I'm very aware of like where a kid lives and saying, okay, I can't change him or change or move him through that process. So can I, can I get to B? The other way I get a lot of buy-in is by asking questions. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps your child's executive functioning brain also, meaning what is your plan? Or they're very non, they're not naggy questions. So it's like, what is your plan? Or what do you need to do to get started? Or what is your priority today? Which is a mm. way better question than what, 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 what's on your to-do list? Because a to-do list doesn't 
allow your child's executive functioning brain to really activate when you ask them what the priority is. And then my other thing is when they answer with you with, I don't know, that's a great opportunity for you to turn around and say, well, tell me what you do know, or lead them with, do you know you have a test on Friday and have soccer practice till nine o'clock? And those are not bad questions because you have to remember that 90% of what your child is feeling or 90% of what they're bringing home to you started at school. If they were, if they are in a traditional school, did not start at four o'clock or six o'clock or eight o'clock. It started at eight in the morning when they walked into class. I always say this to parents, when does homework start for your child? And they'll say four o'clock or eight o'clock or, and I'm like, nope. Homework starts the minute your child walks into their very first class of the day. Right. Think that of makes everything sense. that has to line up for them to be able to execute. Right. So if they're saying, I don't know, it's giving you an opportunity to understand where that I don't know is coming from. And I know I'm missing a couple of steps, but that in and of itself is how we actually get buy-in. Because right. we're finally understanding what's going on. And we're also meeting the student at their point of where they where they are at that moment. You know, I kind of feel it in my home that I don't know is kind of like a just a reaction. I don't know. I don't know. Whenever I ask a question, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard on the brain. So yeah. you've got to break it down. Look, okay, fine. I don't know. Do you know if you have a little kid? Do you know you have soccer practice on Thursdays? Yes. Do you know it's, you know, do you know you also have it on Tuesdays? Oh, I forgot that. Do you know it's at five o'clock? No. Okay. Now, what can I do to support that child? Do we need something that, you know, how am that's my point. The I don't knows right. are not are not horrible. I actually like I don't knows because I really feel they lend they lend a lens. Um, it's kind of a sneaky way of of seeing what's going on without going what's going on or right. why don't you? And the why questions have to stop because no kid knows why. No. Sorry. Well, that's true, right? That that's and I'm learning that. I'm learning that that the, the why questions are not helpful. I don't know, and then I get more. I don't know. Oh, no, I don't know. Why questions feel like that because they don't know the why answer is a little when you ask a why question, you get a little more emotionality around the answer than you do with like, what's your plan? I don't know. Okay, I'm not at least getting sometimes I'm not saying all kids, but the, the, the why question feels very like back up against the wall, as opposed to look, we do that even with kids that lie. We get, we get asked that a lot about lying. Lying all becomes is a manifestation of weak executive functioning. I always tell parents you can't take lying personally, but doesn't mean you can't, that there can't be an appropriate consequence, but you can't take it personally. Right. One of my favorite ways to work with, work with, with a child that has lied is not to in that moment. And in that time go, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Why'd you lie? Why, 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 why? They're not going to answer you. Right. The better way to say it is like, you know, I think we both, all of us need to cool down and cool off a little bit and gather our thoughts. Let's talk about this at seven. And in the meantime, that'll give you some time to think about, you know, what you want to tell us or mm. depending on the age. Right. What it does is allows your child to collect his thoughts. Well, I love that, that idea too, because it allows you to cool down as well, (laughs) because then you don't go in, you don't go, you don't start with that heated. Cause when you start with that heated, 
um, you know, the, the, and we do take it personally, you know, I try not to, I'm, the, I'm learning not to take the lying person and we don't have a huge lying problem, but periodically we do. I'm not talking about massive lying. I'm not talking about like stealing from you and leaving. I just, or just the petty lies. You right. know what I mean? Right. Of course I did my homework and then there it's lying right there. The best is I had a kid who swore to his parents up and down. He didn't eat all the powdered donuts and the kid's face was <laughs> like, seriously, like what is it but, right, right, right. Yeah, but that being able to take that moment to you calm down, your child calms down, and then you can have a conversation because <laughs> exactly. you, you were talking about that the, uh, the the fight or flight when we start, you know, when we start in on that, we, we they are gonna in that energy. Yeah, we we don't yeah. get anywhere. That is just bad juju all the way around. <laughs> right, exactly, That's Leslie. Awesome. This has been an amazing conversation. I mean, they always are. And I look forward to many, many more with you. Um, but I have such a more clear understanding of what executive function is in that purposeful action. You know, when, um, when my kids were, um, when my kids were in elementary school, they eat, they both had this one teacher whom I just adored, who never yelled. She was amazing, but she, she was one of those that she was able to get the kids to do what they um, what they what she wanted them to do without yelling or without raising her voice. She was amazing. Anyway, she would always say a walk with purpose, walk with purpose. Like, I love that with purpose. It, it changes. It change, it's, it's just a little shift, but it changes everything, I think. Well, the other thing about purpose, and then we'll we'll end there, is that it also when you think about purposeful actions, it allows your your child to be in control mm. and, and have choice. Right. We didn't touch on that, but that's a big one when it comes to weak executive function is how much choice and control you can provide for your student. So oh, that's the that. other reason why I really like purposeful actions because it lends itself to choice and control. Right. Right. Perfect. I love that. Okay. So if, if there's one thing that our listeners can do right now today to, to, uh, to one little thing, one little step that they could take, what, what would that be as far as ex executive one-on-one -on -one conversations, one-on-one -on -one conversations, not if it's like a happy, pretty, like, Hey, let's sit down as family and talk about the family vacation this summer. Cause that's a right. happy thing. But if you have something one-on-one, -on -one, one do not do the two on one. Okay. You know, my husband and I need to talk about that because we'll, we'll, it's not, it's not any, like we don't team up or anything like that, but it's sometimes if we're, one of us is talking at the dinner table about something and then the other comes in, you know, I know that this oh, is what you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. Right? We all and do it, it. Yeah. And it's not purposeful, but, the, but I, I think being mindful, being mindful of, what is the experience we want to have here and, and what is it what is the outcome right if we're if we're if we're uh, we, we need to think about the outcome in the way that we come at it i think is what you're saying absolutely that's beautiful it's better than how i was gonna say oh okay all right well on that note yes. so leslie can you tell us about a time in motherhood when you either achieved something or overcame something overcame something that initially just felt impossible Oh, um, I, I know was, that you can. <laughs> no, I have a lot, obviously. Um, I mean, I, there, there are things that were acute. There are things that are not. I mean, my whole business was started because there was so much going, you know, going on. I mean, here's, here's my story. And I do tell it a lot because I think some people think this was very easy for me right. and it was not. So Reader's Digest version again in 2002, um, 
my husband lost his job. My dad died. And that was very big for me because my mom had died when I was 15. So I was very close to my dad. Um, I had a double mastectomy and several things after, and my son was diagnosed. So wow. and I also have another child. I know I never talk about her, but we have a daughter who's, you know, not neurotypical, not, she is neurotypical. Right. So any of those things would put anyone in the fetal position. Yep. Um, but when you're a mom, and you've got to take care of your kids and yourself and sign permission slips and make lunches. And you just don't have that opportunity. So right. um, just being able to um, start this business in that time and allowing my fear to propel me as opposed to hold me back because I had no choice and, and really figuring out while I was growing this business that I needed to balance because I told a lot of Eli stories back then. I don't really now because he's 23 and really making sure that I always had his best interest at heart, that I wasn't exploiting him and also using my business to better serve him as well as the community we were serving. And I think that's a, that's a, that's not easy to do. That is not an easy purpose to do. Um, and I'm very proud of that because I think it could have gone in a much more miserable direction. Right, right. Well, you know, and thank you for your vulnerability with that, with that story and that, and I, I love these stories and I often don't know what's coming when I ask that question. I have heard that, and I think we've talked about that, that, that period of time um, in your life, but that we can overcome you can, if I can things, do it, right? that is right. A, when I tell that story and I'm like, those were my terrible twos. That's yeah. what I call them because it was 2002. So I call it my terrible twos. Oh, right. But I, I, people, when I tell that to the people, like uh, that would have been the last thing I thought I would ever hear out of your mouth because what you see now is not, but, but if you really dig into who we are, who I am as me, but who we are as a company and who we serve and how we serve and why we serve, it is absolutely because of what happened 20 years ago. Right, right. It is totally has kept this company um, mission, you know, community centric, mission centric, because I, I can't imagine it any other way. Yeah. And that's what I love about your, your, um, your order out of chaos too, that it is community centric and that you feel, I don't know, you feel held there, Leslie. So yes. that leads into how can our listeners find you? Oh, that's easy. So we try to make it super simple for you. The name of the company is order out of chaos. The website is order. OO chaos.com. And from there, you can go to the product site. You can find all our products, our webinars, our videos. You can find our social feeds. You can find our blogs. You can find our all the articles I've written for Attitude. There is, oh my God, we always say that the website is the hardest working member of our team. Yeah, um, it is robust. And it it's, is robust. It's this very is robust. So please go there and pour some coffee and just like, you know, what's the word? Drink it all in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you have the uh, the new planners are coming. Yes. They're on the way. There's 2022, 20, 20, 23. So we are, That's so we are, hard to believe. We laugh. We're like back back to school already. We're like back to school started in October for us. But yes, the right. planners are um, on their way into fulfillment, which is no easy feat during we are still in a pandemic, friends. Right. Um, and we are um yes, we um we are kicking off our um planner season in in mid-March, end of March. Um um, yeah, we're excited. There's some changes, some updates, some new things, some new products. Um, 
lots going on. We always have webinars happening at Order Out of Chaos, new parent education videos for you to do, um, brand new Attitude Magazine articles every week. I mean, it is, we are busy, busy, busy. Yeah, yeah, definitely check her out because the site is amazing. Leslie is just delightful. And <laughs> I was really looking forward to, to having this conversation. So definitely check her out and um and peruse. Yeah, like she said, you're you want a cup of coffee or something a cup of coffee. to peruse and you'll be and there for a few hours. <laughs> you will, you will, but it's robust and it's full of anything that you might that you might uh, might need on your ADHD mom with ADHD adolescent journey yes. or your exact executive functioning, your, yes. your neurodiverse family. So Leslie, yes. this has been amazing as always. And uh, thank you so much for taking oh. the time or for all the gold nuggets that you shared today. Anytime you want me to come, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I love having a conversation with you. Perfect. Me too. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. Now, one thing I know for sure is that managing ADHD is not a one-stop shop. There are so many tips, tools, practices, treatment options, and lifestyle accommodations to consider. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and wonder where in the world to start. If you're nodding your head yes, then you'll want to check out the free ADHD supports guide. It's a super simple step-by-step -step guide that keeps your ADHD brain engaged because it's interesting, it's important, and sometimes even a little exciting. I invite you to consider yourself a detective as you discover the ideal combination of supports to help you remain calm, be more consistent, stay focused on what's important, shift out of overwhelm and other big emotions more quickly, make decisions more easily, and develop more confidence, all while becoming more of the person you know yourself to be. Download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or find the link in the show notes. I truly believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Goodbye for now.